Hello, and welcome to Bridging the Gap, Education Through Stories of Adoption. My name is Ryan Anderson, and I have the honor of being the host of this podcast. Our mission is to educate people through stories of adoption. I often have conversations about adoption with people and hear them say something like, I just don't know enough about it. Through this avenue, we hope to educate each other with both stories of adoption and interviews with some educated friends on the matter. We love adoption, we love the orphan, and we hope to extend the same passion to you. A few quick announcements before we begin. First, we want to thank XN Radio for graciously allowing us to be a part of their team. Specifically, thank you to Solomon Tartaglia and his team for helping to dream up this podcast and work through each of the details. Second, if you have a story of adoption, have worked with any agencies regarding adoption, foster care, or the orphan crisis, or you know someone with a story, we want to hear from you. Please email us at sharemyadoptionstory at gmail.com. That's sharemyadoptionstory at gmail.com. We hope to hear from you soon. And now, to introduce our guest for today's podcast, please join me in welcoming to the show, John Lisey and Michelle Lisey. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Great. A little backstory. So I actually inter- got the chance to interview uh, John and Michelle's daughter, Maddie, uh, a few weeks ago um, and kind of heard their story from the perspective of uh, an older sister and really enjoyed it. And uh, they were in town this weekend for to visit for fall break. And I said, let's get an interview. So they mm-hmm. graciously accepted and Maddie and Josiah helped to set it up. And so uh, let's just jump right in. Go ahead and tell me your story. Yeah, well, um, I'll just begin by saying that from early on, Michelle had had adoption in her heart. Um, Got to just put that in her heart. Um, had thoughts, uh, even as a, a little girl, just uh, thinking about um, finding a baby, taking a baby in. Um, so from early on, she... Um, had thought about adoption, um, whereas um, I had I had not thought about it. Um, mm. But through time and uh, Michelle's interest, um, we began to talk about it. Um, we were at a place uh, we had two biological children, and you know, at many times already feeling challenged just mm. by yeah. raising a family. Um, and weren't sure that uh, our family was going to grow. Um, but um, over time, uh, God just kept bringing it in front of us, just kept putting it in front of us. He's good for that, isn't he? Yes. Um, so, yeah, just uh, multiple multiple instances where um, adoption um, came to us. You know, we encountered it, and over time just realized that, you know, this is something that we really feel like we should be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just came to a time when, you know, we, we finally decided that uh, we just have to take the first step. We, yeah. You know, either, you know, we're, we're either going to do this or we're not. And um, we don't want to later have regrets mm-hmm. about not being obedient in this call that uh, we felt led towards. Yeah, praise God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that led to our first adoption. Um, we have uh, three adopted children, um, all international uh, adoptions uh, from China. Um, so first was uh, Ella. She was two years old. Um, and then two years later, we uh, went for Lily. Um, 
she was also about two years old at the time. And then three years after that, um, went back for Noah. Uh, he was three and a half mm -hmm. when we adopted him. Awesome. And if I recall, uh, you met Lily on the trip to visit Ella, or was it, am I speaking wrong? We, we met, um, we met Noah okay. before we adopted him, and that was no. when Madison and I were on a missions yes. trip. Oh, yeah, I remember now. Yes, with our adoption agency. Yeah. Uh, went to visit the orphanage, met Noah. Never intending to adopt again. We, mm -hmm. yeah. We, we didn't go with the expectation of finding Noah. <laughs> yeah. Or seeing Noah. I, I always think about, um, you know, I, anytime someone tells me, or tries to like have it. This is I, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Any anytime someone tries to like give me an educated opinion on adoption, but have never held an orphan in their arms, I'm not sure I really like to listen. Mm. Honestly, yes. you know, because mm -hmm. David Platt has a famous a famous quote that I, I shared a few weeks ago on my Facebook, and um, he basically says, you know, like until you hold an orphan or see his, his or her face or, mm -hmm. or touch him, you know, then you'll know what truly being an orphan is mm -hmm. and so i'm sure you experienced that visiting china yeah um, and i'm sure that you know the first time you held ella or or lily or noah that mm -hmm. that sort of emotion was just overwhelming to be sure mm -hmm. um, but what what year uh, did you adopt ella wow do you remember the year i'm trying it would have been uh 2000 the end of 2010, yeah, she was born mm -hmm. in 2009. She was actually, they were the girls were 20 months when they came home. Mm -hmm. um, so it would have been the end of 2010. Wow, yeah. so it's been almost 10 years. Almost yes. 10 years, yeah. Well, and I'm sure it's flown by. It has. Yeah, it's gone very quickly, yeah. Lots of challenges <laughs> and joys along the way, I'm sure. Yeah, there has Absolutely. been. Absolutely, yeah. 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 So mm -hmm. uh, go ahead and I just want to, like, kind of have you guys speak into uh, just kind of the process. Um, oftentimes it's a really hard process uh, leading up to the actual, you know, meeting meeting your baby or meeting your kid mm -hmm. and, and bringing them home. Um, you know, whether that's the home study process. I'm not sure mm -hmm. exactly what it looked like mm -hmm. 10 years ago. I'm sure it was probably similar with mm -hmm. now it just has a ton more red tape on it, which, you know, that's mm -hmm. what the government does. Um, but just kind of walk me through what that looked like uh, kind of maybe the process of um, prayer and the conversations that were had between mm -hmm. you two specifically and also uh, with mm -hmm. your kids. Because I remember, Maddie, one of the greatest things, uh, to your credit, that I, I've heard about this story is uh, it was a family venture from the start. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the kids, you know, got to help pick their baby brother or sister. And right. the, the kids right. got to see that picture and mm -hmm. uh, blew my mind. You know, I think mm -hmm. that's a really great model. But if you could just, like, maybe speak into what that process looked like, the referral process, home study, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's quite a process. Yeah. Uh, it's similar then as, as it is now, just with the uh, initial home study and approvals. Um, and then it's uh, for international adoption. It's the process of yeah. building a dossier, which is – just a lot of paperwork yep. um, and collecting documents. Um, and that takes time because e each step takes time. Each step is a process. For each child, it was about an 18-month wait. Mm -hmm. Paperwork 
and all until mm-hmm. we got them. Yeah, and so uh, yeah, it was a matter of all the time putting it together, and then we had to, uh, and then then you send off the the dossier, and then it's uh, when that is accepted, uh, in our case in China, then it's a matter of waiting for a match. Yeah, and I'm sure that process felt a whole lot longer than 18 months each time, if I had to imagine. It, it did, did feel like a long time, <laughs> and, it, and yeah. it feels like a long time to wait. Yeah. Um, yeah. And our experience with Noah was a little bit different because we knew him beforehand. We knew who, who we were planning to uh, adopt, and so for him, we knew who he was, we knew who we were going to get, and we just wanted mm-hmm. to get it done. Yeah. yeah. We just wanted to go get him. And mostly yeah. because when you, when you get a, a picture and you're matched, mm-hmm. um, you know that that child is either in an orphanage or in foster care mm-hmm. uh, waiting. You know, they're not waiting for you, but you know that um, they are where they are, and you just yeah. want to get them home as quickly as what you yeah. can. And I'm sure you know, by the time that, you know, even when you got to adopting Lily and Noah, you yeah. saw that picture for the first time, and you automatically thought, I know the conditions they're living in. I, mm-hmm. Absolutely. And yep. that just compels you to do it even, you know, get mm-hmm. it done even faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, can you, I don't know if, if you recall this, but can you maybe take me through what it felt like um, the first time you got matched with Ella mm-hmm. um, in the referral? Yeah, we can still remember the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know our children can remember the day, right, when we yeah, got the match and we looked at the picture and um, it was thrilling. Yeah, we knew instantly that, yeah, they were for us. Amen. Um, yeah, we were so excited. Yeah, I think um, I think each each time that we received a referral, it was just very exciting because then you mm-hmm. had a face, a name, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, really personalize personal. it exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember when Maddie was on the podcast, I kind of asked her the same question, and <coughs> she said, "Now I had someone I could pray for. I had a name mm-hmm. I could pray for, yeah. and mm-hmm. a face that right. I could pray yes. for." Yes, and we began praying for it for the children yeah yeah because you're, you're praying so long for God to mm-hmm. give you this face and mm-hmm. God to give you this name and then when it happens like yeah you know there's just something even more powerful about praying for someone who mm-hmm. uh, you know in a sense but you kind of know of really at mm-hmm. that point and I think we mm-hmm. pretty quickly came up with a name didn't we come up with their names quickly we did specifically for that reason so that we could begin praying for them by name yeah mm-hmm. that that's yeah. awesome I uh I hope to meet Ellie, Lily, and Noah someday mm. and uh, just rejoice with you guys and, you know, rejoice mm-hmm. in the Lord. That mm-hmm. A really great story. Uh, maybe we'll get into some more tough stuff here. Can you maybe walk me through? I d- I'm not sure the conditions of the orphanages in China. Um, I could guess for sure. Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm, yeah. I've heard horror stories of orphanages that are, mm. you know, in that part of the hemisphere, uh, but maybe if you're mm-hmm. comfortable to share uh, those, maybe the conditions of the orphanages mm-hmm. they were coming from. Well, you've been there, John. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think it varies. Uh, I yeah. can only speak to my experience, you know, the one orphanage. I, I think that there are probably various levels of, of care and, and how well they're funded. And um, But uh, I think one well the one word that comes to my mind as a way to, to describe it is institutionalized. Uh. It's just kind of 
it mm-hmm. it's cold there's you know nothing really warm about it and um it's a lot of a lot of children in one space mm-hmm. yeah um and so when you have few caretakers lots of kids you know i i think they try but uh it's difficult yeah for mm-hmm. a few people to take care of so many and so you know it's it's lots of cribs lined up and um it's basically you know just a process just to meet the basic needs for the children mm-hmm. um so there's not a lot of one-on-one care and you know when, when we think about you know just that just the love that a that a parent um that interaction with the child yeah you know that that doesn't exist and uh, i don't think there was an room. understanding mm-hmm. um of the importance of yeah, love and care, interaction, one-on-one. Right. Yeah. Yeah, in, the, in development, mm-hmm. we talk a lot about this. Uh, we, I am not an expert in development, so in development, experts mm-hmm. who are not me mm-hmm. talk about this idea of a secure base. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially when it comes to pre-verbal kids, if they don't have a secure base, their development is critically um, mm-hmm. different. And it has massive implications, you know, because when you're, and I'm sure you can remember to when, um, you know, your kids were really small and, you know, when, let's say they, you know, someone came up and said, can I hold your baby? Mm. You know, and they're yeah. like getting to the point where they know that mom and dad are to your base. You know, before they go play with this stranger, they're going to look at mom or they're going to look at dad. Mm-hmm. But maybe we don't realize they're doing it, but they're going to look there. And if you look okay with it, then they're going to be okay with it. Mm-hmm. And if, and in a lot of, or, you know, many orphanages around the world, the kids don't have that. And so the development is, um, you know, at least set back, but in sometimes just um, uh, impaired for life, yeah, if that's what I'm getting at. But right, um, yes. And I, I just imagine walking into that uh, that room while these cribs are lined up. I would feel so helpless. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like, wow, I'm only taking one of these kids. Mm-hmm. And I, I, every every adoptive parent I've ever heard tell a story has agreed with that sentiment and, and said, yeah, it's the most overwhelming thing I've ever experienced, to walk into that room and say, oh, I can only take one of these kids, you know, and there's 30 laying here, you know, crying for mom and dad or yeah. crying for someone to just come give them a hug or just look in their eyes, you know, it just has to be so overwhelming. Um, right. So thanks for sharing that. So each of the three kiddos that were adopted uh, from China each have some sort of special needs. Um, and so I was wondering, uh, maybe if you could just speak into some of the challenges that have come along with that, but more so the joys that have come along with that. Um, I was, uh, we had an interview, you know, that will probably release two weeks before this interview, for whoever's listening. Um, and I was meeting with them, trying to hear their story before we came on the the, the podcast and tell me about the, the two girls you adopted from Uganda. And they said, well, the first one has special needs. And I looked at, her, I looked at their couple and I was like, praise God. I perked up. And they were like so surprised by this. Um, and I, I hate that. I hate that there's like a stigma that, oh my gosh. It, well, certainly that there's different challenges uh, to raising these kids. To be sure, I would never, ever doubt that. Um, but, you know, also, like, I wish people who didn't have the kiddos who are special, who have special needs, looked at it in the same way. Like, well, what a blessing from God that is. 
Anyway, this is not my time to talk. This is your guy. This is your <laughs> guy's story to share. So if you can maybe speak into that a little bit. Yeah, I'll just go over their special needs, and yeah. then mm -hmm. Michelle can sort of talk about maybe mm -hmm. some of the um, the challenges or our our, our experience. Um, so uh, both Ella and Lily um, were born with cleft lip and cleft palate, um, and so um, Ella had her her initial surgeries um, in the U.S. She didn't have surgeries in China before um, we adopted her. Um, so she came to us with cleft lip and cleft palate, started the re repair process here. Lily had her, her lip was closed, um, but the palate was not. Mm -hmm. So she had an initial surgery in China. And then um, after we adopted her, we started the, the process of ongoing repairs and surgeries. Um, and, uh, and then Noah had, um, uh, probably, I guess, more complex, uh, medical needs. Um, he had had multiple surgeries in China, um, uh, with some intestinal, uh, issues, malformations, and then he had surgery when, when we, uh, first brought him home. Um, and then after he was home, we actually learned that he had, uh, significant hearing loss um, and so mm. we began the therapy and treatment for that and so for all of our kids it's still an ongoing process for medical care um, um, surgeries <laughs> yeah surgeries therapy so um, but for them and for us it's part of our life yeah yeah, yeah. but Michelle can speak to me and I would just say each of the challenge. little girls who had cleft lip and palate I mean, they may have had between six and eight surgeries each year, just multiple palate wow. repairs. And um, our daughter Lily just had a bone graft this past week. They took bone from her hip and placed it in a, her gum line to make a, a gum line so that her teeth could come, come down. Um, and Noah, what would you say, like three, four surgeries here in the States? Yes. So it's... It's a lot of yeah, surgeries. a lot of <laughs> surgeries. And more to come. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm sure. I, yeah. yeah, my friends, it seems like they're at surgery every other week with, you know, mm. all of their kids. They got eight. So, I mean, mm. so mm -hmm. it seems like, you know, they're they're always, <laughs> you know, whether it's hearing or, you know, a lot of, like, nasal issues, um, mm -hmm. eyesight issues, you know, a lot of smaller surgeries. But for some of them, there's... You know, there's some very massive surgeries, but mm -hmm. yeah, thanks for speaking to that. I'm certain, you know, that there's, you know. I was going to say, yeah, go just ahead. you were talking about, you're asking about challenges mm -hmm. too, and um, we had mentioned about the medical care, Yeah. but um, along with that, just working through just the repercussions of their history, their, yeah. their trauma. Um, we talked initially about the orphanages and just, um, but yeah, the role that that plays. Yeah, just what they deal with now, um, and um, yeah, that has played a, a part in just the challenges that we struggle through now, that they struggle through. Is it more uh, certainly that's probably a product of just being institutionalized as yes. they were institutionalized in and neglect. Yeah. Um, our oldest daughter Ella has really dealt with yeah neglect. Um, she was 20 months when we adopted her, and we believe she wasn't really out of a crib until we adopted her. 
uh, maybe once a week she would get wiped down for a, a bath. Um, so Ugh. when we adopted her, she was, I'd say, similar to just a five or six month old. She could hardly, she wasn't sitting up yet and wasn't sure what to do when we would hand her a, a toy. Mm. Um, so it took her, she developed pretty quickly. Yeah. And before long, she was walking. It's amazing the way she went to sitting up and walking very, very quickly. But um, still a struggle. Mm. Yeah. Um, but if you met her today, you wouldn't even know it. She's just a sweet girl. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard. Mm -hmm. I want to meet her very badly. <laughs> yes. mm -hmm. Maybe next year we'll yeah. we'll do the rotation. Keep mm -hmm. rotating kids out, and you can mm -hmm. you can bring Ella and Lily and Noah. Maybe I'll chip in for airfare so I can uh, meet the yeah. adopted kiddos. That would be fun. Um, yeah. So yeah, thanks for thanks for sharing that. Um, yeah, I, th I think that's uh, unfortunately a, a pretty common result of institutionalization. A lot of um, maybe unwillingness to accept love um, mm -hmm. unwillingness is pro probably not the right term um, developmentally but just sort of like they've never experienced it so they don't know how to accept it mm -hmm. um, and it's amazing what kind of development occurs in the first two years of life mm -hmm. in terms of being able to reciprocate and accept mm -hmm. uh, empathy and sympathy and uh, love and, and all these things it's amazing what happens in the first two years of a child's brain and you know institutionalization is certainly not helping that by any means um, so I want to kind of transition maybe to like the the joys uh, of of kind of adoption as a whole um, and I just want to I've heard many adoptive parents say to me um, it's a different kind of love they say something like that <laughs> and I know what they're getting at um, you know because it's if we think about our position uh, spiritually um, Christ has chosen to love us and adopt us as his own um, and in the same way adoption is that uh, so you have a biological kiddo and you know you made that kid so when that baby comes out you love that kid you would die for them a minute after they came out mm -hmm. you know like that's just the, what happens you know that's how we're designed um, but in terms of adoption it's like this is a choice you know, at least from the start, right, until you, you know, you develop that love. But this is a choice to love this little girl or, or this little boy. And so I was wondering maybe you could uh, talk into that a little bit, what that looked like um, for you guys. Well, I guess, um, yeah, it is true what you said with biological. You, yeah, you just naturally yeah. love them as soon as they're born and, um, and sometimes I've heard various stories. Sometimes it happens immediately with adopted, and sometimes it takes a little yeah. longer. And I guess that is one of my challenges, um, particularly with our yeah our our youngest, uh, just with a busy family. I, I don't know what to attribute it to a busy family and lots of needs. It has taken me longer to bond with him. Um, yeah. But uh, again, you just keep trusting God and following through, and just. Um, remaining faithful, um, continuing to um, surrender my will and know um, this is what God has called us to do. And, uh, and through that, over time, I told John just recently, I can really see a, um, yeah, 
I can really see that we are bonding, that I'm bonding with him. I think he's bonded with <laughs> us from <laughs> the start, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> from day one. <laughs> um, but I am just so grateful because I can see the Lord doing that work in my heart. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's amazing when you can see God doing work versus, yeah. uh, or even in our own children, even in our children, yeah. when, when you see that fruit, um, and you know it was outside of yourself. It was, it was truly a God, yeah, God doing that work. Yeah. And I can say that for our adopted children or our biological children, just yeah. it's amazing when, yeah, the way God works. Yeah, I, um, a good friend of mine who was kind of inspired this passion for adoption, uh, she always says to me, uh, my kids have shown me in the shortest amount of time more about my own sin and more about my own mm-hmm. shortfalls, and especially the adopted ones, than any amount of time ever could show Absolutely. me. Yes. Uh, and it, you know, I never even thought about it in that sense, mostly because I've not been a parent. And I'm only 20, so. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I can only imagine the joy of uh, watching either, you know, my adopted child or a biological child in the future have fruit in their spiritual life that I never had, mm. or fruit in their life that is not because of me. Um, and it's like God working in spite of us. Uh, and that's a lot of what adoption is. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when you adopt that that baby, you know, and it's like. Most people would have seen that baby as undeserving or, uh, you know, not worthy of uh, of being adopted, and um, and then you you adopt this baby, and ten years later you you think back to what maybe what their life would have looked like apart from you saying, yeah, we'll take this baby in. Now the fruit of their life is mm-hmm. immeasurable. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. Um, thanks for sharing. Yeah. yeah, and I would say that that's one of the greatest joys that we've had is seeing God uh, um, working in their lives, seeing them grow physically, but also seeing them grow spiritually and just seeing God turning their hearts towards him. That's been probably one of the greatest joys um, Mm -hmm. for us. (coughs) Yeah. Praise God. Um, So you guys are from Pennsylvania, right? Yes. Yeah. What part? Lancaster. Oh, Lancaster. Lancaster. Yes. Correct. Friends yeah, with so. all my all the great Amish friends out there. Right? There you go. <laughs> Amish country. <laughs> That's right. Some really good bread and some really nice yeah. furniture, probably. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, feel free to just pass this question, and we can always cut it out of this podcast. But I'm hoping you answer. Um, what does it look like for the church to come alongside your family? And maybe it hasn't looked like anything. I hope it's not the case. But what does it look like for the church to come alongside your family and say, hey, we know this is hard. Um, you know, whether that's like financially helping out with the adoption or um, more more like likely like, a, you know, support, supporting cast or supporting group that, mm-hmm. you know, when those days get hard or you don't feel that bond uh, with your adopted kiddo, like you can call this group and they just – work through it with you. Do you guys have some some sort of group like that or we, we do. do. Yeah. Yes. Praise God. Yeah, we have mm-hmm. a, an adoption care group. Um awesome. so that's wonderful. Yeah, I, I think for us it's um our experience with the church has been, you know, acceptance. Yeah. And, and also mm-hmm. support um and and through the adoption uh care group, 
it's families who have adopted or foster um, uh, or who are interested um, and basically just supporting each other, um, mm -hmm. meeting together, taking care of each other's needs, um, answering questions, um, praying for each other. So uh, that, that's an that's encouraging to have yeah. like-minded people beside you and, and people who have been through similar experiences. And so they can relate, mm -hmm. um, you know, to challenges that you may be facing. And you may be able to speak into their life, you know, to challenges that they have. Um, so that's been helpful. Great. Is this through your church or is this through a separate organization? This is through our church, our local church. Oh, heck yeah. 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 Is there other families in your church that have also adopted? Well, I guess that's implied because it's an adoption carrier, but. Yeah, there are. Yes. How big is your church? Several hundred. And there may be, what would you say? Tw how many families? Twelve families? Adopted? About twelve? Maybe twelve yeah. families. Oh, man. Yeah. And it's growing. I mean, it has yeah. grown since we've started mm -hmm. going there seven years ago. And we yeah. have the range of um, families fostering, mm -hmm. domestic adoption. Yeah international adoption, um, people have adopted family members. It's just, yeah, with a whole range, mm -hmm. which is great. That's awesome. Yeah. It's amazing yeah. what happens. E ever since this family from our church that I know very well has adopted, they adopted five, so they, they swung big. Um, but many other families, we have an adoption life group now who gets together and just has hard conversations about life group. and. You know, two or three of the other couples are exploring what adoption would look like for their families right now. It's just like so beautiful when, you know, someone says yes and other people start to have interest in adoption. Mm -hmm. um, it kind of like sparks a fire. Uh, yeah. That's awesome, you know, because <coughs> that's the job of the church is to come alongside. Um, you know, that's what the church should look like mm -hmm. in this, exactly what it should look like in this sort of situation. So that's really encouraging to me. So we're running out of time, which really sucks because I'm really enjoying this conversation. Mm. Um, but if if someone was uh, thinking about adoption today, wondering about it, um, what would you tell them? And is adoption worth it? Yeah, I mean, yes. I yeah, I would say if if someone is feeling that call, they're feeling that stirring in their heart. Um, they should. I mean should pray about it seek counsel talk to others get advice but don't push it down don't mm -hmm. don't just try to suppress that if you're feeling that stirring in your heart um take the next step forward um mm -hmm. really that's it, it's it's if you feel the stirring i mean this, this is something that god calls us to and so just take the next step yeah um and there's people who can't aren't in the place to actually adopt yeah. but there are still mm -hmm. things that they can do yeah. through prayer prayer and encouragement and support and financially or otherwise um, that they can be involved but no doubt and i uh i like how you said it's just it, you guys said this at the beginning and, and it just said it again it's baby steps you yes, know yes. just like take a step of obedience to start out with. Mm -hmm. See where God takes you. If he doesn't want you to adopt, he's going to make it really clear. Mm -hmm. But also, if he wants you to adopt, he's also going to make it really clear. You know, so let's not let's not suppress that. Um, let's just take small steps. That's where that's where uh -huh. it begins, you know. Yeah. yeah. But for for me, yeah, yeah I, w I would say for me it, it felt like a big <laughs> leap of faith. Yeah. I mean, I mm -hmm. I remember calling Michelle 
on the phone and it was right after we had made the decision and contacted the adoption agency and put put the whole process in motion and I said this, this I felt like I was bungee jumping like <laughs> I was <laughs> there's no turning back I was just jumping I didn't know what was at the other end but yeah it, it felt pretty wild and crazy but we were doing it and it was a wonderful taking experience taking those big steps is truly what brings the greatest joy yeah. the oh. greatest joy in life yeah um when you are remaining faithful yeah. to what God has called you to do, when you when you know, um, and I think what yeah. what we've both learned is that, you know, doing something outside of ourselves, yeah, is what so is what, and, and allowing mm-hmm. ourselves to see God's grace and to receive God's grace in our life and recognize our need for it, you know, when when we do things that mm-hmm. that we can do. Uh, that we feel capable of doing, then we're tempted to take the credit for it. But yeah. when we do things that are outside of ourselves, then God gets the glory for that. Yeah, Absolutely. it's really easy to kind of take credit for things that don't require much of us in the first place, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, like, for example, this is kind of unrelated, but in terms of, you know, like really, you know, evangelism in the last 20 years has looked like, let me hand you some literature or uh, you only stand on the street corner and and tell you that you're going to hell. Well, what does that require from us? Mm-hmm. A little bit of courage, maybe. Um, doesn't no cost to our time. Maybe a little cost in comparison to like building an actual relationship with someone. Mm-hmm. No cost to our energy in comparison to like building an actual relationship with someone. And it's the same for adoption and any other thing that requires such a humongous uh, step of faith. Because um, you look and you look back and you know you s- you mentioned it. Like a second ago, it's like this is all in spite of us. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not because of us; it's in spite of us. Right. Yeah, and that's the tr- true story of redemption, um, where yeah, you do things and and you know it's it's all God truly, and even with our imperfections, and you leap forward and you and you try and um, to do it on your own. I mean, God redeems just like He redeems the life of the little one that you adopt. It's just, it's really amazing when you're walking in his, in his love. Yeah. yeah. I personally think that, you know, adoption specifically in terms of uh, a Christian family is one of the more uh, powerful analogies of what true redemptive work looks like. Uh, I often think, I spend a lot of my free time thinking about adoption. So <laughs> I just kind of let my mind run. But... Uh, I was thinking the other day, um, you know, there's a lot of agencies out there that aren't, um, you know, Christian agencies, which is totally fine. They're still doing great work, to be sure. You know, rescuing kids from mm. certainly the pits of despair. Um, but I I was having a conversation with actually uh, Pastor Will Franco, uh, who actually spoke at our missions conference today. And I said to him, uh, I said, do we believe that kids who are orphans are worth more than just a rescue mission? Are they worth their redemption too? Mm. Because that's what that's what a Christian agency is in the business of. Mm-hmm. They're, they're in the business of redemptive work. Mm-hmm. Agencies outside of that are in the business of rescuing work, mm-hmm. which on its own is not inherently bad, not at all. You know, mm-hmm. they are still doing great work, and I don't want to discount that at all. But I think the picture of, of Christian adoption is we're saying 
with our actions and with our lives to these kids and to the world that we believe these kids are worth a rescue mission and worth a redemptive mission as well. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm certain that that's a part of the story as well. Mm-hmm. Well, unfortunately, that's all we uh, have time for today. I am uh, overjoyed by this conversation. Thank you so much for joining us um, and for sharing your story with us. Any last words? It's okay if not. Um, nothing else. Thank you for inviting us. Great. Great. So as I mentioned at the beginning of our show, we would love to hear from you. If you have a story that you would like to share, please email us at sharemyadoptionstory at gmail.com. Further, if you have any questions about adoption that you would like addressed on our show, we would love to attempt to answer those. Thanks for listening.